0: They're back on the Football Outside the Box podcast where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. Late drama here at the Etihad to save City two more points in what is slowly becoming a very tight title race between them and Arsenal. But for now... Let's talk about their matchup against Fulham. City took a good early lead and then conceded not only a penalty, but an early red card for Joe Cancelo, a player who has been so good, so reliable, and added a lot on both ends for City on the attacking front and the defensive. But they were able to scrape it out today thanks to none other than the inevitable himself, Erling Haaland.
1: Yeah, there you said it. Julian Alvarez, The, I know people were likening him to Sergio Aguero, and I I never really understood why. I mean, the size and the nationality, I guess, right? But the way he took his goal today, I mean, that's classic Aguero. He just blasts the ball into the into the keeper's face, pretty much. So he's basically telling the keeper, either you save this and get fucked, or you concede. And yeah, I mean, like we said, he he's a real talent. But Holland, I mean, he is he, he's him, you know, <laughs> he's him.
0: How important is it now for City? to not only have one star striker that they can definitely rely on goals from, as you mentioned, inevitable, but to now have a backup striker in the form of Alvarez who they seem like they can also count on for goals. And not only for his goals, but I felt his involvement in the game was also quite impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could start at a lot of the clubs in the Premier League. And we talk about the depth in the striker options, right? Even for Arsenal, the title challengers now, Jesus, and there's nobody else. And we'll get to Nketiah maybe later on. I don't know if he's worth talking about necessarily. But they have two strikers that are going to start on... I mean, starts on every team. Alvarez also could start on a lot of teams. And that's crucial. You know, I mean, I would take... Alvarez right now and I know Rangnick suggested him to the board but then they didn't want to sign anybody in the winter amid all the uncertainties and whatnot I get it but for that price it's such a young promising striker you know we we talk about the resurgence of the number 9s 8 years ago we were looking at Fabregas as, as as the false nine false nines were were in and now we're seeing the trend go back to you know, the number nines being valuable. And there's a big lack of number nines, valuable number nines. And for City to have both, I think it's going to come huge for them.
0: From a full-on standpoint, I know they were playing in this match, 11 versus 10 for a majority of the match. But what kind of credit are you giving them to be able to stay in the game so long to such a strong city side who, although they were a man down, they are still such a powerful force? Or do you think that they maybe should have taken advantage of their numerical advantage and gone on to collect more than what they ended up with in the match?
1: No, I mean, you look at the game and you're you're probably thinking, did Fulham get a red card? You know, Fulham, even with 11 men, playing against 10 men. I mean, it was City. It was City all along, everywhere. I feel I feel it, though, for Fulham because I feel at the end of the day, they were cheated out. You know, De Bruyne is... Yes, there's a clip, there's a follow-through, but he's obviously trying to buy the foul. And if it's given, the VR is not going to overturn that at this point, the way the VR is set up. So I, I do feel for them. But I mean, eleven men, one all, in what the twenty-eighth minute, I-, I feel Fulham had to go for it a little bit. And Mitrovic was was not in the squad today. Maybe that was a big miss. His hold up up top, you know, they didn't have any outlets necessarily, right? That they can hoof the ball up to. So I think they'll be feel a little hard done by. But I, I still think they should have gone for it a little bit more. It was obvious they were trying to go back to London with with at least a point.
0: Which I think, based on the outcome of the match, was a fair one. Because, I mean, look, besides the penalty, we'd be sitting here talking about how they were able to muster up a very unlikely draw that nobody saw coming. So I think it's a lot in hindsight for us to be talking like that. But it is what it is. Moving on to the early fixture... Arsenal travel to Stamford Bridge and again collecting a win at Stamford Bridge. This time with a clean sheet. By the way, another away clean sheet for Arsenal that is quite impressive on the road from a defensive standpoint. And although Arsenal dominated this match, it was a crucial set piece. That was the difference in this one. Gabriel with the goods again from the set piece.
1: Yep, and and we've heard that before somewhere right arsenal very efficient in in set pieces they know how to, they know how to score they know how to attack from set pieces but yeah i mean to me this feels like a statement win you know dominating chelsea i know they're not in the best form at the moment but dominating them at their home yeah chelsea didn't they didn't even sniff a chance this game this makes our result at stanford bridge a, a little bit shameful you know, the fact that we could only get a point from Stanford Bridge because, yeah, this is Arsenal domination from start to finish. And I think, I'm sure you saw it as well. Chelsea are not at the level to press Arsenal at the moment, right now.
0: Well, with that in mind, I want to say that I was particularly impressed with six players out of Arsenal's team in this one. And it, I know that's a lot to say. No,
1: we don't have time for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the reason you'll find interest in this one is because it is not the typical players. Well, some of them are, but today there's two main players that are left out.
1: Well, listeners, brace yourself for an hour speech.
0: (laughs) The the, the players that I'm leaving out, you're going to be surprised, are Saka and Martinelli. Those two players... I thought we're actually quiet today. And this to me is more credit to Chelsea's wing backs. I felt Aspilaqueta and Cucarella had two very good games. They were very tightly marking Saka and Martinelli, the two wingers, the whole match. Not sure. I, I, I will obviously have to give credit to the fullbacks in that one, but maybe that's a tactical instruction from Graham Potter that nearly proved very effective. I mean, if they came out to here with a nil I think they would have been happy based on how the performance went. But speaking on that performance, the reason this performance was so good was because of that midfield partnership party and Xhaka. And also, Jesus. Those three players were absolutely phenomenal today. Jesus, I know he missed that sitter, but His overall play, sensational. This guy's work rate, sensational. He's involved in the play. Almost every single time that he gets on the ball and gets involved, he's making shit happen. It's a shame that Odegaard didn't put that chance away because that would have been such a beautiful assist for Jesus that once again would have relaxed the critics to say, yo, again, he's gotten an assist this week. But overall, his play was crucial to Arsenal getting the three points today.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think the key was for Arsenal, even, even from the start, to have their starters fresh for the whole season, right? And it seems like so far, all the stars are lining up for Arsenal. You know, Saka goes down, comes back the next game. Partey goes out, comes back earlier than expected. Xhaka, I know he's not an injury-prone type of player, but, you know, just when things go right, I I mean, there's a saying, when it rains, it pours. That's That's a bit a negative connotation, but in this case, it just feels like things are going right for Arsenal, finally, this season. And I think, I mean, of course, Arteta gets some credit as well, but what other club are you... Let me put it this way. What other club would have survived with with what Arteta showed and produced for the, you know, for his first two years, I think it was, two and a half years. That's I mean, that's unprecedented. And that's why I, I don't see Arteta leaving Arsenal anytime soon. That kind of faith shown in a manager is just unheard of. And he's repaid the faith so far. We'll see if it continues. We'll see if he can finish it off. But so far, yeah.
0: Well, hey, I think at the start of the season, any Arsenal fan, this is significantly beyond any expectations. I think top four, everybody would have been happy about. And if it does even come down to that, I think it would be disappointing because of the fact that we started so well. But this is just ridiculously beyond expectations. We're approaching Christmas time, the World Cup, and We're literally sitting on top of the table. That's absolutely phenomenal. Keep this up, Arsenal. Saliba, you're frigging brilliant. And before I leave this match, I need to make a big call for Gabriel. The guy has come up again with such an important goal. Important goal against Fulham. Important goal here again today. It's just brilliant. And a clean sheet for the team. Not to say that Chelsea offered much on the attacking front, but I think that's down to us keeping them quiet. So, again, hats off to my side. I'm going to keep digging it up because we deserve it. For once, we frigging deserve it. We've been getting shit on by the media for so damn long. It's time for us to enjoy. So, Arsenal fans out there, frigging enjoy. Enjoy. Celebrate. Celebrate and celebrate. Moving on to your stink side, who got a lovely 3-1 at Villa Park, thanks to my Jamaican brother, man I live like bala. Leon Bailey. What an electrifying start by Unai Emery's men.
1: Yeah, I mean, finally one game he decides to turn up. It had to be today. But the second goal should have never went in. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the free kick. I mean, that was 18 yards behind the, the ball. That was not 10 yards out. So, but either way, I mean, just such a poor start. You know, I, I mean, all goals were pretty much, again, mistakes, right? Lindelof, he, it's not the first time he's done this. He gets dragged out so passive. I mean, it's night and day when you put him next to Martinez. Martinez is prototype aggressive win the ball at any cost. Lindelof, not so much. Standoffish, you know, try not to get beat, try to cover the space. And Lissandro, partially at fault for the wrong body shape for Bailey to give him that space to run into. But, I mean, this only emphasizes the lack of depth, I think. The worst criticism you can give to a player I mean, we sit here every day and say, Oh, this guy's bad, this guy's not good enough, whatnot. Fine. Maybe he can improve, maybe maybe he won't, I and mean, yeah, he has to move to a lower side or whatever, whatnot. But I think worse than that, when you're not even visible on the pitch, when when nobody knows what you're contributing to the team, like to the point where you're not even being considered good or bad, I, I think that's bad because I mean, how do you where do you come back from? Where do you go from there? And that's what that's what Van der Beek is right now. We've had a lot of talk about oh this guy, why is it why is this guy not starting? And maybe there's a reason why he, this this guy guy's not starting. He seems like he's the odd one out. He doesn't get involved. And not just that, but the midfield it, it was overrun. You know, Ericsson, great on the ball, whatnot. But the guy just doesn't have the physical abilities or defensive awareness. Whatever it is, just doesn't have it. And against these teams, one pass through and they were facing the, the center half. That's why I don't want to fault the center half too much because there was just no protection at this in this game, the whole game, pretty much.
0: I did want to get your opinion on this. At the start of the match, how did you feel about Ronaldo getting a start and the captain in the side? Did you feel that that was kind of weak on Ten Hag's side or you didn't really look too much into it?
1: I don't see who would have started anyway. There's no options. Right? We can put Rashford as striker, but then who's going to play on the right? It's just... And maybe he was wrong to put... uh, I think he admitted himself too. Maybe he was wrong to put Rashford out of position just to accommodate a Ronaldo. But... I mean, I, I just think that's hindsight. And now, if you ask me, should Ronaldo be starting every game? Probably not. He just doesn't have it anymore. You, know, you see his touches. Yeah, he's good for a goal here and there, right? He he can always win a header. But I feel like when he's in the team, the attacking options, the attacking patterns become predictable and repetitive. We saw a lot of crosses today. I don't know if that's the best way to attack Villa when you have Mings and Konsa in the middle, right? And they're all sat back deep. So, and then in the first half, I guess the, the last 20 minutes, of the first half, when we were creating some decent movements, that's when the fullbacks were running making, making runs in behind. So, there's just no fluidity when Ronaldo starts, but I, I don't want to blame Ronaldo or the manager. I mean, maybe, I guess, partially he got it wrong. He got it wrong today, you know, but it's not just down to him or Ronaldo, just doesn't have options. At this point.
0: Here's a question now for the Villa side. After the first match with Unai Emery with such a positive result, can they keep this up?
1: Well, I hope not because I I really don't want another competitor in the the league. I mean, Newcastle is already enough. And how many more top four sides are you going to... We're going to have... Soon enough, we're going to have 10 teams fighting for top four. Like, that's just... Just too much. you know, even even if you have the best team in the world, I just, but, yeah, una Emery, he's known for what defensive solidity. That's what took Villa Real to the semifinals of last year. I mean, i don't I don't think Villa were that impressive. I mean, maybe that's because they scored too so early on then and their game plan just changed to, you know, keep that two score lead. But I think defensively, they were very solid. I just hate facing Unai Emery. He's always gotten the better of us, even at Arsenal during his Arsenal times. I don't think we've, I don't think we've beaten, when he was even when he was struggling at Arsenal, and of course he beat us in the Europa League final with Villarreal, Seville. He knocked us out in the Champions League. I I did not want this guy to come back to the Premier League. Let me tell you that.
0: And here he is haunting your side.
1: He's not going to listen to me. He's not going to hear this this podcast, but please, just send the fucking kids out in the Carabao Cup. We've played so many fucking games in, in this month. Like, has played every single game, I think. So has Dalo, so has Martinez. Pretty much everyone has played too much games. So, you might have different opinions. Nobody gives a fuck about the Carabao Cup, and even the FA Cup. I would, like just, just I know that's not how managers think right they want to give their best I mean a, a great chance at a silverware early on and is it in February still this year I don't know if it is but just it's it's too much just send the kids out I, I don't care if we get battered 5-0 against Villa it, nobody gives a fuck about the Carabao Cup so let's just let's just get knocked out the league is more important
0: Sounds like the mentality of a loser, A.K.A. Manu. That's what y'all are. No, but moving on to another losing side in the form of Tottenham, they lost yet again at home to Liverpool. Thank goodness Liverpool came up with the goods today. This is the one match. If I could pick one match for Liverpool to win, if this, if you told me Liverpool was gonna lose every single match except one. This is the one match I need them to win. So, thank you very much, Mo Salah, for your two goals. Your second was especially sublime and cheeky. It's one of my favorite FIFA moves, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But, brilliant stuff. Tottenham almost clawed their way back into this match thanks to a Harry Kane good finish, classic finish from him. Felt Konate could have done a bit more. But, that's fine. We'll take the take that result anyways. How do you feel this match went down? Do you feel that like Tottenham deserved a bit more?
1: I think so, yeah. I mean, just the way they conceded the goal, the second goal especially, it's just a simple mistake. And they hit the post twice through Perisic. And I know Perisic was kind of forced in, in that position because of a lack of option. But this guy hit the post twice. And I feel that... They at least deserve the point. But I, I do want to point out that again, all they could do was just crosses, spam crosses. I mean, now if you have Harry Kane in the box, that's a good tactic, good strategy. And it nearly paid off uh, a few times. But come on, you, you have to offer something different against a, a Liverpool side. That were, in, in the second half, they were let us I mean, let's face it, they were protecting the two-goal lead and Liverpool have bodies in the back and Van Dijk there to clear. Just, you need to offer something different. And Tottenham just, their lack of ideas is just plainly obvious to see. And it's, it's painful to watch.
0: Can Tottenham turn this around and find back some form? Because it's looking really ugly right now. At this point, can we start to ask a question? How long are they going to put up with Kante for? I mean,
1: it's it's been ugly since the start, right? There's no denying that they should probably not even be in fourth position. And how long does this last? I don't know. I mean, with Conte though, he has shown the ability to turn things around. He did it at Chelsea. He did it at Inter. So... I mean, he's not going to get sacked anytime soon, but I, I mean, I don't want I, I to... I'm don't. i not saying this guy had the worst performance of the game, but I, I mean, I just had to bring this up because just speaking of crosses, this guy's crosses just went wayward, just over everybody's head so many times. Emerson. And I saw this on Twitter the other day. Some, some chant going around within the Tottenham fans. And I'm not going to sing it word for word because he's not my player, but he can't defend. He can't attack. Emerson Royale is their fullback. <laughs>
0: no, nah, he's trash for real. He's honestly one of the players I look at and I'm just like, all right, thank goodness we don't have him.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's just, I mean, what is he good at? He's not bad at, I mean,
0: maybe he's bad at
1: something. He's not bad at, he's not, he's just not elite at anything. Even the man's haircut
0: is bad, bro. Come on, <laughs> is dog shit.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean the whole team was was poor. Kulosevsky, I'm sure he's welcomed back. That that was the that was a pattern that they always relied on, right? Last season. Kulosevsky cutting in, crossing in. And and the assist wasn't a cross, but I mean a delicious ball into Kane. And you would expect Kane to finish that nine times out of ten times.
0: And from a Liverpool perspective, Mo Salah picking up a bit of form. Seems to like doing it against these big teams. Another Alisson to Salah. Combo-ish. Dire mistake in between, but that mistake only really happened thanks to Alisson's long ball, but can Liverpool, after this win now, pick up the momentum that they failed to pick up last time they saw a result similar to this, like against City?
1: Well, they're going to hope to, but it's too bad that the Premier League is coming to a hiatus after next week. But I mean, nobody was calling Salah a speed merchant anymore after the first season, right? But remember five years ago when he first came into the league, he was labeled a speed merchant. And even the next few years, we were saying he doesn't get into the game enough. You know, he, you just give him no space and he, he will struggle, right? But you look at his game today and just overall the way he's able to get the, the shot out of his feet so quickly, the, the way he's able to get into the right spots, almost like a seasoned poacher. This makes me think this guy's career can be prolonged a lot further than, I mean, what I originally imagined. I think this guy is, his instincts, is, it's, it's just top level, different class to everybody. And there's a reason why even when the team is struggling, he's scoring, what, Nine goals now in the last eight games. Top scorer in the Champions League group stages.
0: So do you see his career more shifting in the perspective of a different role, different position, like maybe a striker position? Are we looking at similar to Ronaldo?
1: I think eventually he's going to have to because... I mean, I think he's more effective from the center anyway. But as he loses that physical ability that speed, that quickness. He's just not going to be as effective out wide anymore. You know, and we're... I mean, Ronaldo was a different kind of player, but the way he successfully, until last year, uh, transformed his position to a center forward striker. And I, I really do see that for Salah as well. And that, that's the way I think his career can be prolonged.
0: So what does that mean for Darwin Nunes coming in now? We saw him today kind of drifted out to the left wing a bit. I wonder, does Klopp see him as a left winger more? I felt like, although he was involved in the first goal, he was able to get the assist. I just feel like his overall play, like his touches, still seems sloppy to me. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, you see a lot of young strikers who come up through the ranks when they struggle up top and it's only natural. You know, it's it's very hard to play up top, usually alone nowadays in the Premier League. They move out wide or they get moved out wide and it gives them a lot more freedom, a lot more space. It's just only natural, right? There's just not going to be as much attention or restrictions when you're playing out wide compared to right through the middle. And I think it's just, I, I don't know if he's, I mean, they spent what eighty million pounds on this guy. I don't know if it's a permanent switch to the wing, but I I think this is just a way for Klopp to get more out of him, to get him in in his groove, you know, get used to the league, and then we'll see eventually if he's up to it. He's I think he's gonna start back to the striker role right away.
0: I think he'll move back to striker role, but I don't think he's got it. I don't think he's going to live up to his potential, to be honest. That's just my take.
1: Well, I mean, I I hope so either. But we'll see. I, I think it's a little too early to say. But, yeah, I mean, so far...
0: I mean, people try and look on his goals record, goals per minute record, and compare him to Jesus, which sure, numerically, looks more appealing. But if they really watch the two strikers, are they really comparing them? in terms of their involvement in the game, their impact on the match, what they do for their teams. So no comparison.
1: Well, yeah, that's why I don't understand. I mean, it's just all for the clicks and likes, whatever. Oh, Nunes has scored more goals than Jesus. That's like saying Gabriel has more clearances than Ronaldo. Like, it's just, I mean, that's a little extreme, I guess. But they're just fundamentally two different types of players, two different roles being asked by each team. So I know it's fun. I know it's cool to poke fun at Jesus or Nunes, whatnot. That's why I try not to pay attention to those kind of stuff too much. But yeah, I mean, fundamentally, they're being asked to do different things.
0: Right, which is why you have to actually watch the game to understand who actually is more impactful.
1: Yeah, I mean you you can say goals triumph over everything, but there's more to it than goals, I th- I think. I mean, yes, striker's first instinct or first role should be to score, but there are other ways that they can contribute and when when push comes to shove and we're asking and we're looking for Jesus to actually provide what 20 goals from Arsenal maybe we might come to the fair criticism of jesus but right now there are other players that are filling in for him and there are other players that are flourishing because of jesus so yeah i mean i wouldn't pay too much attention to what people are saying but that will be it for today's episode
0: thank you very much guys for tuning in really appreciate your support make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on Apple Music, Spotify, hit the subscribe button. Make sure to download the episode and share it with a friend. One of your friends that like football, put it in our football group chat. And don't forget to turn on those notifications so you guys don't miss any episodes and you stay up to date.
1: And as well, the link to our Facebook page is in the description and the bio. So go get clicking, join our discussion, like our page, and share our page
0: let's get some good football discussion going and let's get the chat on thank you very much
1: thank you for tuning in as always and peace out